Welcome to episode four of the Injury Report. Today is Friday, May 6th. Happy birthday to my dad yesterday, turning 51. Hopefully we don't have to talk about any of his injuries coming up here because he is getting old fast. We should have a pretty quick episode today. Not much has changed in the NBA, but not as quick as last week. I definitely uploaded it at 1.5 speed. And I don't save the episodes after I upload them. So we will try to avoid that again this week. Start off in the NBA. We'll go to one of the two series in the second round that is 2-0 after two games. Uh, there, were not, there were not any games last night, so I was able to prep for today's show last night, which was nice not having to do it all in the same day. The Phoenix Suns are up two games to nothing against the Dallas Mavericks. The Phoenix is the one seed, and as we've seen kind of elsewhere in the NBA, there were no upsets in the first round. So ones, twos, threes, and fours advanced. Phoenix handled both games pretty well so far. The Mavs Put up a good fight in the first game. Luka has been playing outstanding, but he just doesn't have any horses to back him up. And the Phoenix Suns are doing pretty well, firing on all cylinders. They are going to be without their forward Dario Sarcic. He had a meniscus injury and had successful surgery on that, but most likely season ending. So that's just going to be usually when the meniscus gets torn up, they'll go in and kind of shave down the edges to prevent any clicking that that's what that clicking sound is in your knee if you have that the meniscus can get out of place and cause some friction in there where it's not supposed to be that's usually not too bad of a surgery but because it is his knee he will be out for the rest of the series i don't think it should be too much of a issue for the phoenix suns and i expect them now to uh, keep rolling through the mavericks that was kind of tough i originally picked the Mavs to win this series, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. On the other side of the West, we have Andre Iguodala still out with his neck spasms. Draymond Green got a pretty good shot to the eye the other day, but he's still expected to play. It was some superficial wounds, some cuts, nothing structural really. It shouldn't affect his line of vision or anything. And Killian Tilly and... Santi Aldama are both out with knee injuries in the for the Memphis Grizzlies. That series is tied one to one, headed back to Golden State. I think the fact that the Grizzlies were able to get one at home is huge for them. I don't know if they'll be able to get one in Golden State. I'd still pick Golden State to not let this game get close to seven. I'd be surprised if it even got to six. But if John Morant can continue to shoot the way he has which he has not been able to do very well this uh, regular season at all. He just kind of developed that skill. They'll be in a lot better shape than I am expecting for them up to this point. And they are also going to be without their forward Dylan Brooks, but we will talk about that later. 
moving over to the East in the other 2-3 series tied 1-1. The Milwaukee Bucks and Boston Celtics are tied at 1 and headed back to Milwaukee for game 3 tonight. Chris Middleton is still out with a grade 2 MCL. And as we said, expected for the entire series. Kind of a surprise is George Hill has not been playing with an ab strain. I thought that that was, we talked about that at the end of the regular season. I thought that that was more of a prevent him from overuse. But it seems that he has re-injured that, aggravated that a little bit. And he's not going to be playing again. So I don't know what that entails. I mean, it's a strain of the abdomen, but I didn't know that they could be so severe. So he needs to, uh, I guess, work on that because he and Middleton being out, I don't know if Drew Holiday can manage all of the guard play just back there with Grayson Allen. I think the only way the Bucks, not the only way, but we saw in game one, the Bucks' size was really what dominated the Celtics. If... Celtics can shoot the way they did in game two. They will always have a better shot at winning. I'm still going to take the Bucks in this series. We're headed back to Milwaukee. They stole a game in Boston. But, man, that was a lights-out performance. Five of seven from beyond the arc for Jalen Brown. Not expected from him with the way he, he is a good shooter, and he's been pretty clutch in the past, but not to that level. Robert Williams had a huge game for them as well in game two, so he's going to have to do that again if they are going to have a shot heading into Milwaukee. And finally, some, you know, an injury we can look at a little bit is the for the Miami Heat. We talked about Kyle S. Lowry is still probably questionable. They said it's a hammy now, not the hip. Half their roster's out, but if we go over to the Celtics, or the 76ers, who are down two games to zero, headed back to Philly. Joel Embiid has been ruled out again for Game 3. I was disappointed that his diagnosis of a orb- an orbital fracture came out after I presented the podcast last week. So we'll get into that now. Orbital is a very vague term, considering that it's the whole eye socket, really. There's a lot of bones in there. There's a couple deep. uh, You can see the zygomatic and maxillary and frontal kind of in the front. Those are the ones that you can feel. Your zygomatic is your cheekbone, kind of the outside. Your maxillary is your facial. That's on the inside. You have the lacrimal in there, too, where... Old, uh, you like tear glands, and then the frontal bone up top, which is kind of where your eyebrow is, and that's what he broke. He broke that frontal bone. A lot of times, there's more complications when the orbital floor breaks, which is that bottom, that maxillary or zygomatic, and there's also an orbital blowout fracture, which is when there's too much pressure straight to the eye, and that causes the back of the orbital to break so into the skull those are usually associated with more complications for Joel Embiid's because it was the frontal bone up top there are a couple nerves and muscles that are attached in there 
one of them being the superior oblique muscle, which helps you look down and in. So if he were to have damaged that, he would not be able to do things like walk downstairs very well. It is only his right side, so he would, might be able to compensate, but he, that is also the muscle that opens your eyelid. There's one up there, the levator palpebrae. So, oops, I guess I'm popular. There are uh, just some muscles that help with that eye movement, and it's really a big risk, especially for someone who's you know looking to have a long career. It is unfortunate luck for him. I was hoping that we could maybe see him back in his mask that he wore a couple years ago that made him look so cool. Uh, usually this is a 10-game injury. He's had a similar one before. Unfortunately, um, he's probably that probably means this series and some of the next, which I don't expect them to get there. But that ten games is could be less because we are in the playoffs, so there's going to be more time between games than there normally would be. And then, lastly, between that optic nerve, the eye. That's the nerve that connects to the eye, the optic nerve, and gives you sight pretty much. And that could be damaged in any orbital injury if that's stretched too far. So we're going to keep an eye on him, but I don't think he's going to be around for the rest of the series. They were hopeful for a couple games, but I think the imaging has concluded that he probably won't be available, which the Heat are pretty banged up, but I think they'll be able to take care of the Sixers in at, at most five. And then one that I forgot to talk about is Gary Payton for the Golden State Warriors had a foosh injury. Foosh is fall onto outstretched hand. So he was going up for a layup against the Grizzlies. And a lot of people say this is in retaliation to a dirty Draymond play where he was ejected with a flagrant two. But Dylan Brooks came up and pretty much elbowed him in the face as he was going up. He fell on that outstretched arm and broke his elbow is all the information that I could find. Normally, on that outstretched hand, you can break your scaphoid, which is one of your wrist bones. And that can cause a lot of problems because of the way that the scaphoid gets its blood supply. It can cause necrosis or death of that bone and rotting inside so that can be an issue if that's where the break is another place for a common break is the medial epicondyle so to find where that is you're going to have to turn your hand so your palm is facing up medial being towards your body so it's on your pinky side elbow the epicondyle is in your humerus and it's the attachment point for a lot of your um, flexor muscles in your forearm. The force of falling on that outstretched arm as well as trying to push yourself away can cause an avulsion fracture, which as we said, is the muscle pulling off a piece of that bone. So that medial epicondyle is pretty fragile in that respect. And another potential injury that could be in this case is the olecranon, which is the point of the elbow. This is probably the least likely because he didn't land on the elbow. But you can feel that, the olecranon of that ulna. So that's the pinky side bone in your forearm. It's a lot stronger and more 
supportive. And that's a pretty common fracture when you land on it, and that can be associated with nerve damage. But in this case, it is most likely the head of the radius. So if we look at the radius, it is skinny towards the top or proximal end up towards your elbow. And it has a head, a round head that really rolls around your ulna. So the reason you can have your thumb pointed out away from you and then roll it over and have it pointing in towards you is the radial ability to um, move around in the annular ligament. So that force, if it pushes up, it's the radius is a lot stronger at the bottom. It's a lot thicker. So if that force pushes up, it can cause that neck of the radius to break. So either the head stays in its annular ligament, allowing it to stay there, but the rest of the bone gets broken somehow, or it can knock the head out and cause radial head subluxation. If you watch the video of Gary Payton falling, he really can't move his arm at all afterwards, and it's most likely because of this radial head fracture. If we look at that annular ligament that holds the head and then the body of the bone is going to go a different direction, that's going to cause that fracture. There's also the radial nerve right there, which higher up, it innervates your triceps, which would be important for shooting. Not in this case, because it's going to be a little lower. So the injury is going to be more likely the extensor muscles of your forearm. So that's going to be pulling your hand back. Again, that'll be important for shooting, especially in and dribbling, to get the hand to come back up after you uh, push it down. That is most likely going to be the end of the season for him, especially because they said he did have some ligamental damage too. They didn't specify what it was, but I'm going to guess it's that annular ligament, maybe some interosseous ligament that, again, as we talked about in the lower leg, there is one between the two forearm bones that holds them together with that structural support and creates those compartments for the muscles of the forearm. So, I'm looking at him being out for the season, and that wraps up NBA talk. Again, I'm going to predict the Warriors handle Memphis. I don't think they'll drop another game. Dallas Mavericks, I think they're on their way out the door. They might win a game. I think the Bucks will win in six. I think Boston gets one more, and they might get their game five back in. Boston, but I think the Bucks win three, four, and six to clean that up. In the Miami Heat, they might lose a game as well, just because the Sixers haven't gone down without a fight. Um, I was expecting them to have an initial push because initially Joel Embiid was expected to be back for Game Three, so I thought if we could kind of break their will early on in the series, they might come out strong in the first and third quarters of Game Three, but. I think it'll be an easier accomplishment to break their will now without Joel Embiid. So if they can take care of business here, I think they go down quietly in game four just because I don't think 
that they will have you know, the belief that they can do that. Moving on, we're going to do a little bit of a draft recap. The uh, Some of the guys that we talked about the other day, were last week, were high profile, and wide receiver Justin Ross received a lot of attention after he did not go drafted. He finally got drafted, or uh, signed through undrafted free agency by the Kansas City Chiefs. And he's probably going to be a really good receiver for them. I really think that as long as he can be cleared for that clipple field disease, remember that congenital fused vertebrae that affects his spinal flexibility and shape, that's a big deal. He had spine surgery on it. If he can get cleared for that, I think that he'll be A-OK and a useful addition to that Chiefs roster, especially when they just lost Tyreek Hill. He might be able to slide in there. I know they have Juju Smith-Schuster, but this guy has star potential if he can keep his uh, spine in one piece, or I guess not one piece. He doesn't want it all fused. Another guy who went undrafted, and not most likely because of his injury, but it definitely had something to do with it, was quarterback Carson Strong from Nevada. He ended up being picked up by the Eagles, Remember, he had the osteochondritis desiccans, so he had the loss of blood to part of his femur, so he had to have a couple surgeries to reintroduce the blood to that femur and as well as get some cartilage transplant from a deceased donor. So he is looking to be the backup for... Hertz, who runs the ball a lot, so he might even get some time this year. That was not a terrible position to be in as a rookie quarterback, even though he wasn't drafted. So good for him for finding his way onto a roster. Guy we didn't talk about, but also ended up on the Eagles was Nicobe Dean, who I didn't think he was slated to be a number one first rounder, probably the first linebacker off the board last week. He really fell. He went all the way down to third round where the Eagles finally picked him up and the whole day they were just talking about his injuries and I read a report on him but I didn't think it was going to make that much of a difference. Turns out he had not told some people about a pec injury and refused to have surgery on it. So he had already had labrum surgery a couple years prior which uh, shoulder surgery it's going to be very painful just because of the number of nerves that run through there actually forgot to talk about another guy in the NBA, but the Eagles, <clears throat> N'Kobe Dean, that there's the brachial plexus runs through there, and it's this big tangle of nerves that run through there. And that's why sh- shoulder surgery is traditionally the most painful surgery. He had labrum surgery, did not want to get this pec tendon inju- surgery. I don't know if that means that he doesn't, didn't have to, and he's comfortable with where his pec stands on his arm. So your pec, everybody knows that's on your chest, and then that muscle goes through your arm, and it actually attaches below your deltoid onto the intertubercular groove of your humerus. So that's the big bone in your upper arm. That muscle helps with contraction or adduction, bringing your arm back towards the middle of your body. I don't know why he didn't get the surgery, but I 
doubt that it will affect. It'll just be painful if it's not. It doesn't seem like a huge thing, wrapping and tackling, but that's so much of a shoulders and tripping thing anymore that that might not be a huge issue for him. It might affect his ability to get off of blocks. So he feels comfortable with it. The other thing that was going on with him, it's been reported that he has tendonitis and almost arthritis in both his knees and shoulders. So he might just be a wear and tear guy that people didn't want to take a chance on. But from first round to third round, I think that's going to be some pretty good value for the Eagles. And then another team who had a good draft was the Baltimore Ravens, who got my guy Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame in the first round. And then the second round, after another pick in the first, they got a guy we talked about, David Ojabo. So from Michigan, he was the defensive end who had a torn Achilles, had surgery on that, and had that internal brace. So it worked for Cam Akers, like I said, last year, who came back in five weeks. He should be good to go for camp for Baltimore. He's not going to miss any time, and it's another pass rusher for their arsenal. Uh, going back really quick to the NBA, I forgot to talk about for the Boston Celtics, they actually won game two without Marcus Smart, who had a quad contusion. He was running down the court in game one and just kind of bumped into a buck. Uh, his thigh looked down, and he also had a stinger in his right shoulder. So that's just when your neck, shoulder, or your arm go opposite directions, as well as a little bit of impact right above that collarbone area. Like I said, that brachial plexus, that big weaving of nerves that controls all your feeling and muscles of your arms, runs right under that collarbone. And just that compression can cause a traction injury that just really quickly stuns kind of the arm. So he was kind of hanging it. It, was, it looked like from the way he reacted that it might be a shoulder dislocation. That's not going to be the case. It was a stinger. His quad contusion, he is not likely to play, or he is likely to play in game three. Maybe his green hair will help him heal a little quicker, but Marcus Smart, his shoulder was fine. Now moving on to our last on to our last segment of the day, injured and recovered. Injured is the code. A lot of former NBA players have been on talking about the Dylan Brooks foul on Gary Payton. They said it was dirty. It could have caused a fight, was the way that Big Cat said. Any pickup game would cause an immediate fight. Dylan Brooks is suspended for, I think. Just one game, maybe two. And that's going to really hurt the Memphis Grizzlies without him. So that just hurts their chances at winning a game, too. It is an unfortunate thing that we had to witness that. It didn't look like too egregious to me. I thought it was just a, you know, it was a hard foul for sure. But uh, where is the line from dirty to just playing hard basketball, and I guess most former and current NBA players felt like that was a dirty example. Recovered. DeAndre Hopkins is recovering from a grade 2 or grade 3 MCL tear. He had surgery on it, so most likely more tearing than the initial ruling. Probably something pretty similar to what Chris Middleton's going through right now. 
And while he was recovering for that, he took some steroids, it appears, and he's been suspended six games. He initially appealed that and said he was going to go through his regiment trying to get that um, down because he didn't believe that he had taken anything knowingly that would cause any uh, steroid tests to come back positive. But he recently withdrew that appeal. The reason that most athletes take this is they take human growth hormone, which is the big one that like Barry Bonds and all those guys take that it makes everything grow. So that's why if you hear the stories about Barry Bonds, his hat size went up like two sizes when he was playing baseball after he had started juicing. And that's because even his skull bones got thicker. So anytime that there's this ligament, especially MCL with that gets blood and you can't use those uh, leg muscles for a while, they get atrophied. He just wants everything to come back faster. The other advantage that HGH as well as the growth of the cells and like the damaged area, such as the MCL, you know, those will grow back faster, but it also creates new muscle tissue. So most muscle fibers, by the time you end puberty are set, you already have the number that you're going to have. And then the only way to get bigger muscles is to exercise and grow the actual fibers themselves. So put strain on them, they'll adapt, they'll get bigger. HGH allows you the ability to create new muscle fibers so then you don't have to get the other ones as big, you can just create more, which is another way to kind of cheat the system, your own body's biologics, and get back stronger. So that's why a lot of guys do that for injury relief Anyway, he is recovered from the injury, but he'll be out six games. And injured is Lamar Jackson because his buddy Hollywood Brown is replacing DeAndre Hopkins for the first couple games in Arizona. Now, I don't understand the pick or the trade. The Ravens have nobody to throw the ball to anymore. And if they go back to the wing tee, that would be kind of fun to watch, especially with Lamar such a great athlete at the helm, but I don't think he wants to take that abuse. And I think it's an unfair thing to ask of him in the NFL, especially because he's their best commodity on offense. They spent the whole draft bulking up on defense. They did get, they did get him a center, Tyler Linderbaum, in the first round. Just kind of help with the wing T, like I was saying, or the triple option. So they have a lot of running backs and tight ends. We'll see if they can find any receivers as far as for the Cardinals on this side, he's really fast. Hollywood Brown is really fast, but the ball also goes through his hands really fast. He is not a great hands receiver. I don't think this made a whole lot of sense for either side, but I guess sometimes these GMs just have too long in the offseason and need to shake things up. Recovered round one playoffs in the spring for the NHL over the NBA. The NHL boasts every year that they have roughly half of their series go to Game 7s, and roughly half of the lower seeds win those, so half upsets. Whereas the NBA, we had one Game 7 in the first round, and there were no upsets. One through four swept. So that is something that NHL fans can brag about. But if we go to injured, 
championships, NHL versus NBA. Listening to the some hockey fans earlier, they were talking about how last year was not a great NHL final because one of the really good teams, one of the higher seeds, got through the Tampa Bay Lightning, got through, and they squashed their opponent pretty quickly because there had been so many upsets. Some of the poorer teams got through to the final, making it a poor series. In the NBA, while there are less upsets early, it also makes for better teams later. We wouldn't have had the Suns and the Bucks last year. That would that was such a great series. And even though the we saw the Cavs and Warriors three years in a row. Was it only three or was it four? I think it was four years in a row, yeah, because Warriors won, Cavs won, and then two with KD. So four years in a row we saw the same teams, but everybody tuned in to watch. Could LeBron take on those guys? You know, it's just more star power later in the year, and it's more competitive. Now, it wasn't the last two times the Warriors and Cavs played competitive, but game one and two sure were. So I think that the... It's okay to have upsets later, you know, no upsets early so that way you can have the better teams get through later because, honestly, I didn't want to see the Timberwolves in the second round. I didn't want to see the Pelicans in the second round. I did kind of want to see the Phoenix Suns go down early, but I would rather have them go through and not have the Pelicans in the second round playing the Mavericks. We covered the Mets. Their new owner, Stephen Cohen, has been proving that all it takes is a little bit of money to get back into things in baseball. They're the best team in baseball right now with 19 wins early in the season. They spent some big money on contracts like Lindor, Max Scherzer over the offseason to really give them. So I haven't forgot about baseball. I've just been focusing on the other ones, and it is pretty impressive to see the usually joke of a franchise pop culture it's for the the you know the new yorker who's just a loyal fan but doesn't expect anything it's good to see them get a little bit of shine at least early in the season injured wnba small roster size um, brianna stewart came out earlier and said it was a mockery that the wnba has these three round drafts and then their drafted players can't even make the roster sometimes because they're just so small. Uh, that's probably going to be a CBA dis- disagreement. I don't think that the owners want to pay anymore. I don't know what the books look like, but it is tough. I think you know you either shorten the draft, make it so there's less players drafted, or make it so the uh, that you can have like a developmental league or something like that or even if you go overseas to do that where i know a lot of the wnba players spend half their time you could do a half international and half half a local farm league for them it's a tough look and it doesn't do good for players who come out of high program colleges that probably get more views than wnba you know you want to keep those players that you've seen in march around or like the WNBA playoffs when you might be able to pull some more eyes in. And then finally, recovered. Drew Locke, uh, 
Pete Carroll said he does not want to trade for another quarterback. Geno Smith is their backup. I don't know if this is an outright tank job by Pete Carroll just saying we'll get our guy next year or if they really have some faith in Drew Locke. But this is the second time he has just been the coolest guy in the room and been given a job. So when in doubt, just act like you know what you're doing. I don't have any faith in them to do anything this year, especially in their division. Uh, They're probably heavy, heavy favorites to finish fourth. So good for Drew Locke. Uh, It's always funny to see where he ends up with his swagger. And that wraps things up for this week. Have a great weekend. Hopefully we don't have any more injuries in the basketball world, but I'll be here to talk about them. And congratulations to all the Hillsdale Chargers graduating this week.